Hi and welcome to the Valencia Property Podcast. This is number 14 and today's episode is called Scammers, Spammers and Mortgages. So we're going to talk about scammers, we're going to talk about spammers, but we're also in the main part going to talk about mortgages. And we're going to talk with Kevin Munger from Mortgage Direct, who are our recommended mortgage company here in Valencia. They've been here for many years, they work with all the banks, and Kevin's going to explain to us how the mortgage process works and what you can expect from a mortgage in Valencia and the whole of Spain currently. Before we get into that, we've got a couple of things. We've got our usual questions, and we've got news of scammers and spammers. Always interesting, I suppose. So first, let's look at scammers. It's not pleasant, but it needs to be known so you can protect yourself from these individuals. The scam is as follows. Someone rents an apartment on Airbnb for a week. They show it to as many people as possible that week to rent or buy. Some unfortunate person likes it and is then told they can move in on Saturday in the case of rental or they can leave a deposit in the case of purchase and they can complete in a month when the owner is back in the country. They're currently detained elsewhere. The usual thing is Ukraine, of course. They're supplied with a contract for rental and they leave a deposit to start renting on Saturday that week. They leave happy. They leave with receipt for that deposit. It's usually 600 euros, which is an absolute bargain for the flat in question. Or rather, it would be if they were ever going to see that 600 euros or even the flat again. The phone is then blocked by the scammer. Let's call him Dominic or Sergei in this case, as that is his name and the name he uses. And they start panicking. In their panic, they have the bright idea of going online and trying to find the supposed company renting the property to them. Now, Dominic, or Sergei, has given them the name Valencia Properties. Yes, something very similar to ours, but with a spelling mistake at the end of properties, spelling it Y-S as opposed to I-E-S. And yes, I am a grammar and spelling Nazi and really pedantic, but seriously, if you're going to try and scam people, at least have the decency to be grammatically correct. They find the number one result in Google for Valencia Property, which, of course, just happens to be our company. And they ring the number available there, demanding that we return the money that our employee Dominic has taken and that he doesn't answer messages or the phone now. It's at this point that it gets a bit real for them when I tell them, uh, you've been scammed. I won't go into what we've done to help and the involvement of police, but you can imagine the rest. Now it's just us waiting for the inevitable sting operation we're setting up as this guy continues to advertise on major portals such as Idealista, despite the fact that he has been reported there as well. So far, the adverts haven't been taken down. And rhyming with scammers, we've got spammers. We've been getting a load of spam off Russian bots this week on the affiliate page. I wonder why. I'm really not interested in your videos about the modern Russian economy. I assume that means tractor production and grain quotas, but I haven't looked. I could be back in the 70s or 80s, I don't know. We've also been noticing ghost listings that are appearing all over the major portals and that, and that ties in with the scammer mentioned before. We talked about these in the last article on Monday and of course you can find this in the show notes. But the long and short of it is fake listings to attract you and have you as a potential client. 
Once the agency or the person putting these fake listings up has got your email and phone number, you get spammed to high heaven as a result of answering the fake listings asking for more information. Oftentimes, it's a listing that used to be for sale, but is no longer for sale, but was a good deal, so everyone gets in touch and suddenly the spammer has got 50, 60, 70, maybe even more people looking for a property who they can spam. Ouch! So let's get off the unagreeable aspects of the property market at the moment and get onto the questions from our clients. Um, real people answer questions, they don't just spam and scam. Again, we've got no voice messages this week, it's just things we've been asked in the last week or so from clients that we thought would be good to cover on the podcast as the information is relevant for a lot of people, not just the person asking the question of course. Firstly, Zach in Canada asked about golden visas and getting one or two. It's a question we'd all like to have of course and that is, if I spend over a million euros and split it between my partner and myself, do we both get a golden visa? And of course, the answer is yes. Um, in fact, that's how it used to be until the beneficiary of the golden visa holder role was started. To get two golden visas, each member of the couple had to spend 500,000. To get three, if you had children, well, you, you can do the maths. However, remember that now you don't need to spend over one million for all dependent members of the family to get the beneficiary status. So, unless you're planning a divorce sometime in the future where the spouse with the beneficiary status could lose it, then there's no need to do it. You spend over 500,000, one person buys the property, they get the golden visa, and the dependents get beneficiary of the golden visa holder status. Martin sent us a mail asking if we are available for initial chat when they visit at the end of April. And of course the answer is yes. But remember, we usually do initial chats through Zoom, WhatsApp or Skype too, well before your visit. There's no need to wait as we can get this show on the road before you get here and then you'll be able to hit the ground running when you do actually land in Valencia. Also, if we have a chat on your first days in Valencia and then you say, well, let's go and see properties tomorrow your selection will be inevitably fewer than if we've been able to arrange things before your visit and equally we'll probably be booked up and won't be able to take you out. There might not be anything available to see from one day to the next too. Needless to say we've now had this initial chat and given quite a few pointers as to where Martin and his family should be concentrating their investigations when they get here. For them it's just an initial visit to see whether they'd like the areas they're thinking about buying it. Now Magenta is a client of ours who bought a place a couple of years ago and has new tenants coming up to the end of their first year in the apartment. She was asking about whether she can put the price up on the apartment. My answer was yes you can, you can put it up by the inflation rate as stipulated in the contract. And then I was wrong. The day after I told her that, the Spanish government placed a temporary restriction on raising rents by the inflation rate because last week the inflation rate went up to 9.8%. As this would place a lot of people into serious problems with their rental payments and owners are generally still benefiting from historically low interest rates on mortgages, the Spanish government has limited rises to 2%. Now here's the weird thing. Owners of fewer than three properties can still impose the higher rises as long as the tenant agrees. But if the tenant doesn't agree, then the maximum they can impose is 2%. See where this is going? Obviously turkeys don't vote for Christmas, 
So basically, there'll be a 2% rise across the board because no tenant's gonna agree to say, yeah, put my, put my rent up by 9.8% when they don't have to. Our main subject this week is all about mortgages, both on Valencia property and in other areas of Spain as well. I've written a very long and detailed post about the process of getting a mortgage, which you can find in the show notes, and I may record it and put it onto the website later this week as a mini podcast for insiders. Now it's time for our talk with Kevin Monger from Mortgage Direct. Now, we had a good sit down and chat and talked about everything to do with mortgages. Have a listen. So Kevin, uh, tell us about your company, uh, why you set it up, its history and what it does. Okay, um, well the company was set up in 2006 by myself uh, and Catherine Walkerdine, we're the two founders of the company. Um, we had moved to Spain, we're, we're a couple, we'd moved to Spain for a change of scenery, uh, both had quite good careers in, in back in the UK and we fancied a change, we came to Spain and we both come from financial services background and a few agents, estate agents, had mentioned to us about helping them with their mortgages. Um, and we thought about it. We weren't really that keen to go back into financial services, and we weren't exactly sure at that time if we were going to stay in Spain. Long story short, we're still here 16 years later. Uh, we've had children out here. Uh, we've grown the business. Um, initially, we started the business in just in the Valencia area, uh, but we realized pretty quickly that we didn't need to do face-to-face advice with clients. Um, our time would be better spent actually focusing on getting estate agents to use our service, recommending us to their clients. Uh, the business has grown exceptionally well over the years, and at the moment we're going through a real rapid period of growth. We started uh, to expand when we started taking on um, additional people to do the broking with us. It was myself and Catherine probably all the way up to 2015, and we took on people from 2015 onwards, and we're now up to 16 brokers. Uh, and a backroom uh, staff as well. Um, yeah, it's been it's been going quite big. I mean, we used to pass you the odd client, for example, because the majority of people came didn't really need a mortgage. But I think in well, since January, we've passed eight or nine already. Yeah, it's, it just seems to be getting more and more people wanting a mortgage because of the low interest rates and things at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the market at the moment has been perfect for for buyers of properties. Um, mortgage interest rates are the lowest they've ever been. Um, and you know, a lot of people have got opportunity if they've got extra cash to invest that and make a hell of a lot more than perhaps they might do on the return on a Spanish property. Although we've seen in recent years property prices in Spain have been going up and up and up. Exactly. Um, so it's really a perfect situation for, for property buyers. A lot of people just generally want leverage against the property. You know, they're buying a property abroad, they can get financing at very, very low interest rates, very competitive conditions, um, and they want to take advantage of that. Yeah. So what type of finance do you specialise in? Is it just for individuals or do you also do some commercial finance? The majority of our business is for non-residents. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are abroad buying a property as a holiday home. Uh, we do quite a lot of business as well with foreigners who are moving to Spain with their jobs. Uh, people that are just moving to Spain anyhow, not necessarily knowing what they're going to do when they get here. They're more difficult to arrange mortgages for, but we can potentially help some of them. Um, yeah, generally, um, yeah, we do a lot of mortgages for uh, non-residents. We do residents as well, uh, people that are here in Spain. But I would say overall, 
I'd say 99% of our clients are foreigners, they're not Spanish nationals. It's similar to our business then in the sense that all our, all our clients tend to come in from outside and then want to use a service within the country. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so here's the million dollar question uh, and this is one that when I'm recommending your services we always get asked. Yeah, I've answered it in many different ways but the question is why is it better to come to you than go directly to the bank? There are many different reasons for this. Um, what I would say is we can offer better conditions uh, than if somebody goes direct to a, br a branch of a bank here in Spain. The reason for that is um, uh, banks in Spain don't offer exactly the same conditions to the clients at different branches. Mm -hmm. Banks themselves are offering different conditions but vary quite dramatically in some cases but also individual branches of each bank are offering different conditions. So. What we have as a broker, the banks want our clients. So they know that they've got to be super competitive to get the clients or we'll just take them to a, a, competitive, bank, a competitive bank. So from our point of view, we offer the best conditions, we have the best contacts, the banks like working with us, the process is a lot quicker, we vet the clients prior to sending them to the bank and, and the whole thing just works better. Yep, and that's more or less exactly what I say but in a much more professional way. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, what does your typical client look like? And I don't mean, oh, they look like such and such a person, of course. I mean, what sort of uh, profile have they got as a, as a client? Um, obviously, as I've said, they're, they're mostly non-residents, foreigners. Um, you know, the, the, the typical, we, we do do mortgages for the, the typical wife and husband, uh, 2.4 kids. But nowadays, there can be a huge variation in, 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 in the client profile. Um, a typical profile will depend upon the area. I mean, the typical client profile for the Balearics, for example, most of our clients that are buying there are buying properties at the higher end of the value yeah. value scale. Um, if, it was a, if it was some clients in Valencia, uh, the typical property price might be between 250 and 500,000. Uh, a mortgage would be between 60 and 70%. But uh, coming back to the, the client profiles, it really varies. We get a lot of people that are buying on their own, uh, single people that are moving out to Spain. Um, clearly we have couples, families, all kinds, nationalities, we get all, all nationalities, we've got uh, people that speak various languages on the team. We have a lot of uh, British clients still, despite Brexit. Uh, I'd say they definitely still make up the majority of our clients. Is that true? Because yeah. that's not true of our clients. Before Brexit it was that we were majority British, but I'd say well, last year our majority client base was uh, American and Dutch. Yeah, we get a lot of Americans. A lot of Dutch. I don't know if that's because what, 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 why that is with regards to Valencia. I mean, we, we cover all of Spain and all of Portugal. Uh, we've noticed a real upturn in the number of American clients that apply for, for finance through our company. It's the same. It's the same. Real upturn in the Americans, and they're always surprised at the uh, the competitive rates that they get compared with the states. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we get that. I mean, because we're dealing with clients from all around the world, so uh, many of them will say, you know, can't we can't believe. The interest rates, you know, we're clients from South Africa, for example, yes. they're playing more than 10% interest yeah. rate. Obviously, uh, in Europe, most people are used to low interest rates, but what we find, and we've found this for many, many years, here in Spain, uh, banks offer incredibly competitive uh, mortgage interest rates to non-resident buyers. Whereas if you're a non-resident and you try and get a mortgage in the UK, good luck. Yeah. It, it is very, very difficult. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So um, what are the standard requirements uh, regarding the amount that the client needs? In other words, what percentage can they get? What sort of interest rates are they getting at the moment? Okay. Um, in terms of the loan to value or the loan to purchase price, this hasn't really changed much. 
for quite some time now, I'd say for the last 10 years minimum, it's been the same. Uh, the maximum for a non-resident is 70% of the purchase price or the bank valuation if, if that's a lower amount. So it's always the lower of the two. Not all banks offer 70%. Um, due to Brexit, I'd say maybe two or three lenders decided that they would offer 60% instead of 70%. Um, it's the gift that gift keeps on giving them. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's fantastic for our business, uh, not. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, typical 60 to 70%, um, you can borrow money. Uh, quite a few of the lenders now are offering maximum term of 20 years, but we've got other lenders that will lend for 25 years, 30 years in one case. Um, and you know, the, the conditions are super competitive. The early repayment penalties are much lower than they are in the UK. Um, and they're much lower than they used to be here as well. Yes. Uh, we had the mortgage law the first time uh, in the history of the Spanish mortgage market. It became regulated uh, back in 2019. And one of the um, things that the Bank of Spain introduced back then were uh, um, yeah, maximum levels for early repayment penalties. Yeah, because the, the banks used to slip in all these, uh, let's say, illegal contract terms. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll say, well, you've had it proved now, you've got your seller there opposite, yeah? yeah. You know, are you going to buy it or not? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, there's one thing about the interest rates because uh, recently our clients have been getting around two percent fixed rate twenty years. There was one last week, though, which was a good, which was a variable rate. Do you see that the banks are going to be moving to variables, or do you think they'll still stick with the fixed rates? They already have. Um, not all of them, um, obviously. When we can still get a client a fixed rate where the majority of lenders are only offering variable, that's a massive plus point again to use our business. Um, and we can get fixed rates. Um, we can get very, very competitive fixed rates for clients buying uh, higher priced properties. There, there does seem to be a, a, a um, higher degree of willingness on the part of the banks to offer really competitive fixed rates if the clients have super, you know, very good profiles, premium profiles. In other words, the rich get the best deals. The rich get the best deals, but premium, it can be somebody who's just got a good net income, a very low debt to income level. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're going to ask me about this, but uh, debt to income level is the method that the banks use to assess whether a client can afford a mortgage. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, we used to income multiples. Yeah. Here in Spain, they've always used debt to income ratios. If your debt to income ratio is lower than 25%, for example, mm -hmm you're likely to get offered a lower interest rate. And there are other ways which you can re reduce your interest rate anyway. But um, we have noticed over the last few months, majority of the banks now are offering variable rates only if you're not earning in euros. Yeah. Partly because of the, the economic conditions at the moment, but also uh, as a sort of delayed reaction to another of the things that the Bank of Spain introduced through the mortgage law in 2019, which was that if you are not earning in euros, um, you have a legal right after you sign your mortgage. If your home currency, or it, which might be British sterling for example, if you're in the UK, um, if you're earning in pounds and you sign a mortgage, which would be in euros always from, from, from day one uh, with a Spanish bank, but the pound drops by more than 20% against the euro, you have a legal right. You can change your mortgage from a euro mortgage into a pound sterling mortgage. Mm -hmm. And this is true of any other currency uh, as well. Which is therefore it's very applicable for a currency like the Rand, for example. The Rand, I mean, you know, number one, will you be able to get a mortgage yeah. if you're earning in Rand? Uh, well, I'm hoping you're going to say yeah, because I've got a client who's coming to you next yes. week about that. <laughs> there, there, are, there are ways around it, but the, those clients need to be aware. If they're earning in a currency which is kind of not higher on the level of desired currencies mm -hmm. for, for banks, they're going to, it's going to be tricky. Yeah. In some cases, they need to set up a company. Um, in order to buy the property. Uh, there are kind of 
ways around it. You know, yeah. it's been three years now since the mortgage law was introduced. Naturally, lawyers, banks, they're always trying to find ways to be creative. So we do have some solutions. Um, yeah. So in terms of why they're offering variable rates at the moment, that that is why in, in the majority of cases. So do they expect the rates to go up? And the rates, yeah, a hundred percent. Eurobor is, is starting to go up quite quickly now. Yeah. Um, it was around about negative half a percent for quite a few years, yeah. I think. Um, and very quickly, it's got to, to zero, close to zero now. So would you suggest to people, if they can, get a fixed rate mortgage now? If you can lock in a fixed rate, 100%. Even if it's maybe half a percent, one percent more than you might be expecting? Yeah, 100%, yeah, because we've even seen, seen some of the banks uh, trying to get away with charging what they're wanting to charge as a fixed rate, which might be what we're seeing now between two and a half and three percent. Um, they're trying to use that as the margin on a, on a variable rate. Wow. So we always have situations where you know, we're, we're either in a market where interest rates are going up or going down. And over the course of 16 years, we've, we've been through several cycles already. And we're now entering a phase where interest rates are definitely going up. Um, and the difficulty there is that banks here in Spain don't don't uh, guarantee the interest rate until a few weeks before completion. Mm -hmm. Until you sign your final binding offer, the bank reserves the right to change the interest rate. And that's what we're finding at the moment. Clients ha have elected to go with a certain bank because the conditions are what they want, they're very competitive. And it, a month out from completion, the bank will suddenly increase the interest rates and that applies to the same those customers. Yeah. So we're, we're keeping a very, very close eye on this at the moment. Uh, we're trying to negotiate with several of the big lenders that they can have a longer guarantee period because we as a broker find it very, very tricky. We've offered three different products, mm -hmm. uh, minimum usually to, to the clients, um, and then conditions change after they've signed up for, for particular conditions. Yeah. That obviously is dif a difficult situation for us. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I mean, um, just on a historical point here, I, I've got a variable rate mortgage, and I remember in 2007, eight, I was paying 6.8% because it was Eurobot plus one. And that was painful because it effectively doubled how much I was paying every month compared to a few years before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next question um, is about, again, about the interest rates because what you see as the headline rate is often reduced by the bonuses that the bank offer you. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. So here in Spain, um, the banks are highly incentivized if they can include add on products, which range from home insurance life insurance, opening a bank account with the bank, which you have to do as a matter of course, usually there's yeah, maybe 0.2% reduction. Um, there can be security alarms. We've even known banks saying, if you buy a television off of us, <laughs> we'll offer you a 0.2% discount on the interest rate. Yes, that's The banks are more like shops now. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they obviously have tie-ups with uh, third parties and uh, the presidentes of the, of the bank uh, you know, want to make sure that they can keep their presidentes and these other yeah. uh, collaborators, firms, keep them sweet, let's do a deal. Uh, yeah. you, you flog a few of our televisions and we'll, we'll, we'll ask you to knock a bit off the road. The most important ones are getting the salary through the account, opening the accounts for sure, for sure. Yeah. But getting the salary through the account, usually the home insurance? Home insurance is usually one that all the banks insist upon. And your bills going through that bank account. Yeah, you yeah. can get reductions if you do a minimum of three utility bills, which virtually everyone's going to need to have three mm -hmm. utility bills through their account, or if not three utility bills, gas and electric and then perhaps a community charge or, yeah. or something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean this is, we 
when we have clients, they prefer to have a nice clean product. Something that's very easy to understand. They don't want to have to worry in the future uh, at the anniversary date that the bank's going to assess what they have or haven't done, mm -hmm. and then they find their interest rate might have gone up because they haven't spent six times on a credit card during yeah, the year. Exactly. That, that's a, a good example. So, uh, um, and for the vast majority of our clients, we are getting very clean products. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, what will people be surprised at when they get a mortgage in Spain? You've already mentioned, for example, that between the offer and the actual signing, the bank might say, oh, by the way, that offer is no longer valid. Is there anything else they should be aware of? Yes. I mean, I think um, that's obviously one. I think another one is the interest rates can vary, as I said earlier, from branch to branch. The, the UK uh, mortgage industry adopted the European Mortgage Directive to the letter. Uh, so just to give you an example, if you went to a branch of Halifax or, or, or another bank in, in Manchester and I went to a branch in London, we would get offered exactly the same product. Yeah. Um, and that makes it very easy for clients. When they're lo looking online, they can look at uh, comparison websites. Here in Spain, for non-residents, it is very difficult to do that. We've seen huge variations from the same bank, depending on whether it's us applying or the clients going direct, or just simply a client might come to us um, you know, I've been to such and such a bank, this is what the interest rate they're offering, and we look at, compare it to what we're going to get for the client, and there can be 1%, up to 2% difference. Yeah. One of the other things is that personal touch, which used to be in place in Spain, where because you knew the bank manager, they'd give you like, you know, a 1% interest rate, and like somebody else walking in and get a 5% interest rate. It's not so prevalent now, but there is still that little thing if you've got the relationship with the bank previously, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Things, things can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know the right people, uh, obviously we, we use that to our advantage mm -hmm. in our business uh, a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, other surprises, I think the valuation process is very different in Spain to the UK. Uh, I'm sure customers from the UK and other countries, uh, they, they, it's almost like a tick box. Somebody's going to come and value the property. They know pretty much from their own research whether the price is around the right level and the valuer usually, usually just goes in and confirms that. Mm -hmm. Here in Spain, you've got different classifications of land. Mm -hmm. Lots of foreigners choose properties that are in, in, in the middle of the countryside. Mm -hmm. They can often come, come up with some, again, incredibly varied valuations depending so, on so the So above or below? The, yeah, this uh, is the weird thing, it's not absolutely. always below or it's not always above. No. We, uh, another thing that was introduced with the, the, the Spanish mortgage law in 2019, uh, borrowers have a legal right now to instruct their own valuation. Mm -hmm. It has to be with a, a bank that is approved by the Bank of Spain. Yeah. We naturally know and have worked with in the past virtually all the different valuation companies mm -hmm. and we have a select group that we offer uh, you know, their valuations to our clients mm -hmm. and it can vary. I mean we might have uh, valuers that are very good in the Balearics for the very high value properties. Mm -hmm. um, I know that we're working with at least half a dozen companies and it, it tends to vary which company we use according to the region where the client yeah. is buying. Yeah. The other thing about that though is you're not allowed to pick a particular value now, are you? It's the company you're allowed to pick. Um, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, but you can give a heavy hint. You can give a heavy hint um, and we've never had any problems with it to be honest. Okay. Uh, we have had a couple of banks when this first this rule first came in where they said, okay, that's right, that's fine. You know, we know that there's this new rule from the Bank of Spain, the, the borrower can instruct their own valuation. They can do that, they pay for that from their own pocket. We will instruct a second valuation to, to do a comparison. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, their second valuation would usually be much lower. Yeah. In some cases, lower than the purchase price. 
And for us, that just turns us off the bank completely. Totally. Because we're not getting the same requirement mm -hmm. from other banks. They accept it's a valuation company, it's approved by the Bank of Spain, that's fine, yeah. we'll accept it. Yeah, I mean, we we often used to find that the banks would send a borrower and tell them beforehand, I want to borrow you this because we don't want to give them more than X percent. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And, you know, that just doesn't work. We, 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 it's yeah. got no relation to what the market actually is, which was really... We, we, we always wondered whether it was the Bank of Spain or the banks themselves were interfering in that process because they, they took 100% control. Yeah. They chose the valuation company, often from a panel, mm -hmm. uh, so they might have a dozen different valuation companies. The valuation company was chosen at random. Mm -hmm. You could get a young valuer, very inexperienced, to go to try and value a property mm -hmm. uh, which needed to have a good valuation. The comparables, sometimes used by inexperienced valuers, are terrible. Yeah, because it's a comparative method. And the fewer sales there are in area, the more difficult it is to borrow from using that. I mean, if you go if you go to a city flat, it's relatively easy. You look at the recent valuations, etc. It's very easy. You go to a, a house in the middle of nowhere in Illyria. Absolutely. Yeah, it, the comparative might be two miles away and virtually in the town, and therefore it's a lot higher than the one you're valuing. Absolutely. Or, or the opposite, of course. It's a mess. <laughs> it, and, and, and the emphasis is on average price per square meter. Yeah. So you can have a property, I always use this example, a frontline property facing the sea, uh, been modernised, complete you know, renovation, uh, recent renovation. The one behind it, facing away from the sea, not been touched since the 1970s, but exactly the same size. And recently sold. And, and, and they will get very similar. You won't, you won't get the additional value for, yeah, exactly. for what, what you should have. Yeah. So the, the big question for a lot of people is how long should they figure out to in order to do this? How long does the process of getting a mortgage take from start when they initially say, I'm interested in the mortgage, to actually signing up the notary and then 10 days later signing for the house? Yes. We always say the start point for us uh, on which we base all of our estimated timescales is the point at which the client signs up this. Mm -hmm. So they sign on terms and conditions document, uh, they make that front payment. I'll just interrupt you there. Before that, usually we've done a pre-approval, right? Absolutely, yeah. There yeah. might be several weeks. You know, we, we speak to the client within 24 to 48 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, we make our initial assessment if we need to, sp to speak to any banks because we've got any doubts, we do that. That can all usually be done within a matter of days. Um, we got pre-approval off here in an hour and a half last week for a client, which yeah. is really good. No, it's really good. And also, you know, we, we've obviously got all the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're talking to banks day in, day out. Uh, we have banks that present to our team on a weekly basis. Um, we know exactly what's going on in the market. Um, and, you know, things can be done very, very quickly. In terms of what is an average timescale, I would say from that point that I mentioned when the client signs up and they've sent us all their documents, mm -hmm. because let's not forget, they might sign up and then and take then two weeks. Yeah. So, we, we can't, I would say, I'd describe it as the point at which we can send the application in full to the bank. Mm -hmm. Then the clock starts ticking. Yeah. And we've always said prior to the new mortgage law that they should allow six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. It can be done quicker, yeah. it can take longer. But six to eight weeks is a good rule of thumb, if you like, prior to the recent mm -hmm. uh, regulation. The reason that I say prior to that is because they introduced this a calling calling off period, yeah. um, which depends on whether there's any bank holidays and weekends and things like that. But it's, as you say, somewhere between 10 and 14 days. It's 14 days in Catalonia, it's always been 14 days there. They had the requirement to have a calling off period before the regulation. Um, long story short, if we just add two weeks onto the six to eight weeks, we get eight to 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, it, it can take 
a little longer. There are there can be unforeseen circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to throw in uh, the concept of the valuation. If there are any legal issues with the property, that can delay things dramatically. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've had clients where they want to complete within six weeks now, mm-hmm. uh, while, we, while we're under the new regime. And I've said to them, the only way in my experience that you can achieve that, that sort of time scale is we have to focus on one bank. Yeah. If we can focus on one bank, so very quickly we'll do a few comparisons, tell you what is possible, and if you say to us, that's good for me, I want to go ahead with that product, we will say to you, we're just going to focus on that one lender. And at that point, we can usually say, we know which valuation company we should use, and we should instruct that valuation prior to to waiting for the approval. Mm -hmm. If you can get those two parts of the process working simultaneously, you save yourself potentially two to three weeks. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, when we know that's gonna happen, we as agents with the lawyers that we would work with, we'd add another 10 days onto that as well. So we go for a 60 day period, which is like obviously eight weeks. We always did that with mortgages prior to the new law, now generally we go to 90 days and sometimes we even go up to 120 days to complete from deposit. Obviously as soon as everything is ready we can sign, you don't have to wait for 120 days. But standard now is 90 where it used to be 60 and outside is 120 when it used to be 90. Yeah, I I get asked all the time, estate agents, not yourself obviously Graham, you seem to be (laughs) completely on the ball, a lot of estate agents obviously want to get a quick sale Uh, and they ask us can we do this in two months Um, and I always say because of the changes to the rules, 90 days or three months, three calendar months or 90 days, whichever it is, um, that's what we want. Of course, they don't like that, they'd rather do. But honestly, the stress that you can cause everybody in the process, yeah. including the estate agent, yeah, unless the sellers will not sell the property exactly. in, uh, and allow that time, mm-hmm. you should always allow it. And if it can be done quicker, you yeah, do it gets quicker. quicker. You say, right, we're ready to go for the notary, you've got your sign-in for the mortgage, and then we've got 10 days to wait, yeah, and that's it. We, we always find, not always, virtually always find that the sellers are okay with that because we pre-prepare them with it and say, if we get a mortgage these days, it's taking this long. You know, a lot of agents say, right, I've got your sale, they can buy straight away, etc., and then they drop this on them after, and that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they try to get the agreement by saying, oh, yeah, it's cash buyer, when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the final one of my prepared questions, because I have got another one for you after, was uh, how can people contact you and would you give them a 5% discount on the fees if you came through the podcast? <laughs> how can they contact us? Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the second part of the question first. We, we have agreed Very that. We, okay, well, come on to all that. First and foremost, yes, we'd be delighted to offer a 5% discount on our direct fees yes. for any clients coming by yourself and your podcast. Um, how can the clients contact us to take advantage of the offer? Or just in general, um, we have uh, our company website address, which is info at mortgage direct sl.com um, or they can send to uh, inquiry uh, inquiries uh, beg your pardon at mortgage direct sl.com I would tend to use the info at uh, address they can call our office um, on zero zero three four nine six three one five six zero one one or if they're coming via an agent like yourself and you want to put them in touch with one of a, a specific broker working for our business then obviously you can do that for them um, the fees, what do we charge? We have 
basically have the chain had the same kind of charging structure since we started the business. Mm -hmm. We charge two fees. The first fee, uh, which we call an admin fee, uh, is currently six hundred and ninety-five euros. Mm -hmm. That fee is only uh, charged if the client has had a quote from us mm -hmm. and they want to proceed and use our service mm -hmm. and it does come with a money-back guarantee. Mm -hmm. If we can't match the conditions on the quote mm -hmm. uh, and the client doesn't want to go ahead after that, they can request a refund of that, a refund of that fee. Mm -hmm. The second fee, uh, also based upon success, is what we call our initial approval fee. That is when we get the initial confirmation from the bank that they are willing to lend the amount of money mm -hmm. that either has been quoted to the client or an amount of money uh, and the client wishes to go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if that amount of money matches what we've quoted, we charge that fee and it has mm -hmm. to be paid within seven days. So both of those fees are, are, are success based. If we get uh, uh, the highest amount we can get from, from the banks is lower than what we've quoted and the client says, not enough, I don't want to go ahead, we, number one, we don't charge the approval fee but we will also refund the initial fee. So effectively, unless they get what they want, there's no fee. Absolutely. Yeah. It's extremely transparent. We adopted that charging structure. We know that there are some competitors that don't charge fees. Mm -hmm. We've heard it many, many times over from the banks that they know that we charge a fee and they feel the quality of our leads is better for that reason. Well, I'll go back to when I bought 20, uh, 20 years ago. Um, I was told that I would have to put down a certain amount of money and then the day before the signing it was detailed to me how much I would have to put down which had doubled from what they told me I would have to put down because they just assumed I would have the money. And so I immediately pulled out of the purchase and suddenly those fees disappeared. One of the fees was the bank opening fee mm -hmm. uh, which they quoted at 2%. And it was at that point that I learned that the bank opening fee was actually half a percent at the time. And the 1.5% went to the agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> along with the three percent, was paying them for the actual purchase because suddenly that disappeared, and it doesn't disappear overnight because the banks say yes. It disappears because the agent goes, "We're going to lose the sale." Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I know there are hidden fees all the time, anyway. Yeah. yeah, and this really clear. We're going to charge you this, and this is so much better. When we do our quotes, we usually always include a breakdown of the fees, mm -hmm. um, which will be. The bank fees, which have reduced dramatically mm -hmm. since around I think it was 2018, um, so the clients or the borrowers no longer have to pay the notary registry fees associated with the mortgage because there are two deeds in Spain. Yep. You have a title deed for the property and a separate deed for the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Historically, it was the borrower that paid the notary costs and registry costs yeah, for both, and the taxes, and, 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 <laughs> and the mortgage tax, the AJD tax as well. So. That is a huge saving uh, for borrowers in Spain compared to what they used to have to pay. Um, but we will provide a breakdown of the estimated costs. Uh, we cover all of Spain, so the one thing that we, we always caveat uh, is that for the purchase taxes, mm -hmm. they should also also consult their lawyer yeah. or a tax advisor mm -hmm. um, because you know we can look up the rate uh, the tax rates online, but it's a significant part of the overall costs. And now the uh, surprise question, which you don't know. So um, we've got a client uh, who's communicated with you and asked for a mortgage application, right? And you don't know whether it will work because of the strange policies on age and income. Because the client himself is in his 70s, mm -hmm. right? His wife is only 60. And he's been told that they only will take into consideration the wife's income 
even though they've got everything together and what's his, hers, and what's hers, his, and so on and so forth. Is that right? Well, um, usually, uh, I mean, we can do mortgages uh, with one of the banks up to age 80. Mm -hmm. um, but if the majority of the income, or let's just say in that particular example, the husband and wife have similar incomes, mm -hmm. one assumes the gentleman uh, would, would be earning... In this case, he's, he gets considerably more. Okay. Yeah. So that is the crucial point. Yeah. If that person, his income is being used in the affordability calculation, and without his income, it won't work. Mm -hmm. you know, the bank would deem that, that this mortgage is not affordable for this couple. Mm -hmm. Even though he, in the case of his death, for example, mm -hmm. she would inherit everything. Including his pensions because he, you know, for the type of work that he did, etc., etc. That wouldn't work still because of the way Spanish banks look at it. That, yes. Normally, in those scenarios, they don't ask us to present proof of the spouse's pension in the event of death mm -hmm. uh, of one of the, the couple. Um, so, coming back to what I was saying, we could do a mortgage to age 80, but if that gentleman is earning the majority of the income, which it sounds as he is, uh, they're going to Put a very, very short term. Mm -hmm. How old did you say he was? He's in his mid 70s. Mid 70s, so let's just say he's 75. Mm -hmm. If you can only do a five year term for a mortgage, yeah. your, your monthly repayment is going to be so much higher than if it was somebody who's yeah. 60. He says, I guess we're spoiled in the US. One can get a mortgage here at age 99 as long as you have the resources. Yes. You know? <laughs> so. And it's the same. We have Scandinavian clients and there's no age limit. Uh -huh. So the banks here. I think there's an age limit in the UK, but it's quite high yeah. compared to Spain. There's only one bank we work with that will do up to age 80 in Spain. Mm -hmm. All the rest, they say up to 75, but some of them will even restrict it to 70. If you're, if you're going to be, uh, if you're approaching retirement, or in some cases you might be in your 60s, for example, um, they will ask to see proof of pension mm -hmm. because they just assume, you know, rightly or wrongly, that at age 67, you're going to stop work. Yeah. Uh, and what, what is well, your pension? It's obligatory in Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you, we get a lot of self-employed clients who claim, you know, we've got no reason to disbelieve them, that they're going to carry on working. They, they want to, they, they're passionate about their, their businesses and they'll carry on. And why can't we therefore yeah. do a mortgage all the way up to age 80 and not even look at the pension income? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the banks, are, they do take quite a dim view on, on a lot of things and that is one of them. I've got a question about average seat, which is really strange. Um, because Spain is the country where people live the longest in the world along with Japan. Yeah, we're getting to live even longer. They put the uh, retirement age back to 67 now from 65, yeah. Um, when people get to mid-60s in Spain, they tend to live well into their 90s. That's what the figures say. Will the banks eventually take this into consideration, do you think? I mean, you would hope that they would. You would it, it would make sense. Yeah. You know, if they, look, if they really look at the stats, rather than just, you know, let's say, what's the average age for a male to die here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they looked at it more deeply and said, okay, what's the average age for a Spaniard to die if they get to age 60, 70? Yeah. Uh, a foreigner that's living here, mm -hmm. the same set of parameters, and, and look at it in more detail and try and, you know, be a bit more pragmatic and potentially offer a much longer term to somebody that looks according to the statistics at least, yeah. as though they could, they could reach a ripe old age, you know. So basically here it's just computers now. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, as it is in, in many other countries as well. Yeah, it's a real pity.
but hey, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> okay, thanks Kevin, that's perfect. Um, this will be coming out uh, probably tonight, and I'll send you a copy tomorrow morning. Uh, and you can listen to it and say, oh my god, my voice sounds really different. Which is <laughs> what everybody else has said so far. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be in that camp. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for inviting me on the podcast, Graham. Uh, and as always, you know, we're very happy to receive your clients. And uh, yeah, let's carry on. Yeah, hopefully we'll have many more. As usual, we have our recommendations at the end here. And firstly, our recommended video. Now, the first video is one that I disagree with a lot of things in the video, but it's always good to take a look at what the others are saying, even when they are wrong. Well, when they're wrong in my opinion in some cases and when they are factually wrong. Take a look at Ronin's video, which has a lot of factual inaccuracies, but it's a decent overview about why you might want to retire to Valencia. It's 30 minutes long, it's got some decent drone footage, take a look. Our recommended articles this week, we mentioned them both earlier on. Uh, one is about mortgages and it's the full process of getting a Spanish mortgage. And of course that's in the show notes. And the second one is why you need a bank account in Spain. And I mentioned this one because we talk about ghost listings in that article. So it's worth taking a look at as well. Finally, our recommended property this week. Well, just like in our article this week, we're going to recommend the Golden Visa property on the El Bosque estate. It's worth 795,000 of anyone's money with gorgeous open views and an excellent pool. But would you dive into it from the balcony? That's what we look at in the description of this place. And yes, we know we like our descriptions to be irreverent, funny and interesting. I think you'll find this one irreverent, funny and interesting as well. And it's also a challenge to see whether you can actually get to the pool from the balcony. I don't think you can. This has been a podcast from Valencia Property. You can find us on www.valencia-property.com and also on all our socials, which are linked in the show notes. Hopefully, we'll hear from you soon looking for your Valencia property. And when you do, we'll be the people to find it here in Valencia for you. We look forward to hearing from you again. Goodbye.